0: Welcome to the ultimate roundtable powered by Dowlands.
1: Hey everyone.
2: My name is Adrian.
1: Hello everyone.
2: I'm Meg Lister.
1: Um, I'm Isaac. I'm Warren. Macmillan. Well, I'm Myrtle. I'm Victor.
0: Good evening, morning, afternoon, and greetings to everyone present here from throughout the globe. Welcome to the ultimate roundtable powered by Dowlands. Thank you to each and every one of you for being here with us today. We are very pleased to be able to welcome those of you that have been with us for a long time. I can see some familiar faces in the audience and as well as those um, who are new to the TaoLens community. Guys, this is a super special moment for us because the Roundtable was inspired by the launch of our newest product, the Dow Manager. Our internal team will kind of talk a lot more about that um, in the chat but um before we get started i would love to express my sincere appreciation to everyone who generously helped us make this event come together be a great success right from coordinating the time zones uh, you know to showing up from the speakers to the internal team and of course our founders we could not have done this without you um we are joined by some of the most extraordinary people in the tao space Welcome, Marco Grendel, the DAO lead at Polygon. Adrian Monch, the DAO lead at Biconomy. Orion Macmillan, the DAO lead at Gnosis. Isaac Patka, the co-summoner of Logos DAO and research fellow at MetaGov. Daniel Ospina, instigator at DAO. Meg Lister, VP of DAO at Flipside Crypto and who's also leading the day-to-day operations at Metrix DAO. And Vikram Aditya, our CEO oh, okay. at Dowlands. The session will be hosted by me, the community lead at Dowlands, and a lot of you know me by the name Dimsims.eth. and I'll be joined by my CTO, Apurv Nandan. In today's roundtable, our focus is going to be on identifying the most pressing Dow problems and coming up with practical solutions to get one step closer. We're all from diverse backgrounds, uh, you know, from the audience to the speakers, but one common string between all of us. Is that we are people who want Taos to succeed. And we don't want this to be a superficial discussion, but an outcome-oriented discussion and outcome being insights and experiments. Apul over to you.
3: Right. Hey everyone. So I'll set some context for the call. Right. Um, the broad topic, as you know, is discussing what should the next generation of Taos look like. And by that I mean there are At the moment, there are a handful of DAOs that are actually operating um, or that are functional, but most of them are not really living up to their fullest potentials, right? I wanna have a discussion around what DAOs can potentially do. What could a DAO that handles a business as, as large as Google's or Microsoft's look like should a DAO even be handling a business like that? What sort of business models really make sense to have a community led governance model, things like that, right? So there are hard questions. Um, And I believe that before um, all the products come in, before all the adoption happens, there's a need for us to sit down with a pen and paper and just discuss how this could all work, at least in theory, and this is what this discussion is primarily going to be about. Um, so we're not going to take a lot of time just with this intro, and, and we should probably get right into it. Um, let's just, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll just sort of conclude this with like just a very warm welcome for all of you, and Devika, and let's start with like, uh all of our guests and and get right into it
0: absolutely so guys um hi and welcome i would love for you to give a brief introduction about yourselves to the community who you are what's your name uh where you're from and what you're engaged in so we can start with daniel
4: sure thank you so hello everyone my Main thing, as you know, is R&DAO, as it says on, on my name. We are uh, research and development DAO, so we research DAO operations and governance, and then we incubate our tooling as well. My, personally, my background is starting as a, as a chef. I work in multiple free Michelin star restaurants, got very frustrated with the shape of the industry, with the dysfunctions of the industry, and thought about switching to other industries who were also very dysfunctional. So instead of that, I end up thinking about organization design, And how people can work better together so have had that career ever since in organization design and started getting involved in DAOs around 18 uh ending up here great to great to be with you all
2: thanks daniel anyone can go next please feel free to i'll go ahead and go hi everyone my name is adrian i am head of DAO at biconomy And Biconomy currently is solving for improving the UX and infrastructure. Um, We just released in November the Biconomy SDK. So we really wanna focus on onboarding uh, the next 1 billion people to Web3, which I feel like is a lot of everybody's mission here in Web3. My background is in design product and UX. And so it seemed fitting for me to come into Biconomy with that experience and then also work on how we can create like operational infrastructure in our centralized team as we work towards decentralization with certain aspects of our products. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for hosting and looking forward to working with you all. I will go ahead and pass to Marco.
1: Thank you, Adrian. So, well, thank you for hosting us, first of all. Uh, and uh, so nice to be here with you and everyone in this chat and everyone uh, well, is listening to us. Well, um, my role is um, on Polygon is um, focus on taking care of the DAO ecosystem built on top of Polygon and not just built on top of Polygon because of course we are part of a sort of a movement that is trying to find a way to fix some problems even if we are not as many but we have many ideas and I think that it's a good start what it was done until now Uh, my I started in IT um, and then I moved to marketing and then back to IT and and blockchain the DAO space I would say that uh, my one of maybe my first home and still uh, feel at home in Bankless DAO and Forefront and other DAOs, and I'm very happy to be here. And pass to Meg.
5: Thanks, Marco. I'm Meg Lister. I'm the VT of DAO at Flipside Crypto. And at Flipside, I spend 100% of my time in Metrics DAO. Um, as we've incubated Metrics DAO by handing over IP and process to Metrics DAO, we're um, now starting to think about decentralization um as the handoff process wraps up um so i you know work for kind of a traditional company but work in a DAO, um and it feels like i personally am living it the sum of these experiences as somewhere that DAOs 2.0 are going to live in a you know professional and structured environment that still allows for a ton of innovation and creativity and free thinking um and so my personal mission is to really bring those two th- together the best that I can as we decentralize Metrix to make it into a truly decentralized and well-operating professional well-oiled machine um, and let's see Isaac I'll pass it over to you uh
6: thanks um, I'm Isaac I'm a contributor to a number of DAOs um uh, a lot of my time now is in uh, as a research fellow at MetaGov where I'm working on the DAO Star standards Um, My two favorite topics to talk about lately in DAOs are um, how we can move beyond uh, defaulting to referendum for every DAO decision, um, and thinking about governance as something more than voting. Um, And second, working on uh, configuration security and auditing um, for DAOs and also uh, members of DAOs um, and thinking about the the security implications of various um, architecture voting and and governance uh, 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 implementations. And I'd be happy to pass to Auron.
7: Thanks, Isaac. Um, Hey, everyone. I'm Auron Macmillan. I work at Gnosis on a team called Gnosis Guild. We focus on DAO tooling for uh, the DAO ecosystem, uh, mostly on a standard called Zodiac, uh, which essentially is. Really, really simple uh, little standard that defines kind of an interface for modules to plug into uh, a DAO's uh, account, typically a safe, uh, but allows for this kind of arbitrary extensibility and composability of, uh, of DAO tooling and has uh, opened up the design space to some, some really cool uh, functionality. Um, I've been floating around uh, the Web3 space since 2013 and, and kind of mostly focused on DAO since 2016. Um, yeah, and I guess there's just, uh, is it Vikram left? Yeah. Um, Thanks,
8: Orion. Uh, hey everyone, I'm Vikram and I'm the co-founder of DAO And uh, DAO we see ourselves as a suite of tools. Now, when I say these tools, whatever has been happening over the past few months is that we go end up working with communities. For example, we are trying a bunch of things Right now with even Marco sitting here, we don't know how these projects evolve, but essentially the goal is, as we work with a bunch of communities and we have done that with quite a few DAOs, that is how we got into the DAO space. Uh, We identify these problems and then the whole team just sits together to figure out if we can offer a tangible output, right? Like, so uh, a few tools that we've been working on is like if grants were to be tracked, how do you really make it easy for an applicant or for a reviewer Was to go through like millions uh, of applications over a course of two, three, four years. Uh, Collectively, if you were to look at the end-to-end operations in a community, right from the minute discussions happen to how proposals are voted on, to how payout is done, uh, to how even reputation carries forward, it's all essentially happening across a bunch of different tools where there is again like a lot of silos forming. So if you were to like have one platform which could sort of integrate with, for example, Gnosis and integrate with Snapshot and integrate with Discourse. You could pretty much like have people not really jump between a bunch of things. So that's DAO Manager. We do something for activating people as they join the community. So that's our onboarding offering. We've also been doing some off-site projects. Uh, For example, we are trying to do something in the lines of Uh, How do you really make it easy for newcomers or beginners to understand the world of DeFi, which is a side project that we did in uh, coordination with Aave uh, as a result of a few brands. And that's what's been happening mostly. Uh, In fact, this roundtable in itself got inspired from the fact that we were like, hey, we have learned quite a few odd things over the past few months. And how do we really go and focus on what's really going to help the DAOs the most? So if I put it out very bluntly, uh, at DaoLens, two two or three topics that we end up questioning a lot about essentially is uh, as DAOs evolve, we'll see more and more DAOs talk to each other, more and more networks collaborate with each other. What's that future gonna look like? At the same time, uh, one of the things that we've definitely seen happen at DAOs is that there is this problem of reliability. What I mean by reliability is, If you are trying to stick to a timeline, the way it happens in orgs today, where you know that a code has to be pushed, a timeline has to be made, a launch is done, that's still a little bit lacking because of all of these complexities and nuances that come when a community is trying to hang out, right? Like, so call it dependence on governance, call it dependence in terms of coordination. How do we really enhance and improve that process? That's how we look at that side of the thing. Uh, but super excited to like get this started Uh, I'm mostly going to just be here for sharing some internal perspectives and learnings that we have had over the years but super happy to mostly learn from all of you and in fact I see already a few people in the audience who can teach us Devika passing it over to you and I think somebody is not on mute so maybe uh,
4: we can take care of that
0: yes Thank you so, so much um, everyone for introducing yourself. It is such a pleasure to have you without a doubt. Um, We will now quickly jump to our poll where the audience and the speakers would vote on what topic we are going to discuss. So Nimish, over to you. Please direct us on how to vote on the poll.
9: yes uh, so as soon as you open the link you will land on the screen where you can either log in through your gmail id or discord I think most of you would be logging through discord so once you do that yeah yes uh, so once you do that then you will land on the screen where you have to go to this uh, new channel that we have created, Roundtable, January 2023. If anyone has any doubts, please feel free to drop drop in the chats. Yeah. And uh, as soon as you land here, you can uh, view this first post that is created, where you have to uh, cast your vote. And once you have voted, please drop a voted, uh, please write voted in the chat so that we know. Devika, we have a clear winner. winner. A lot of people want to know about business model and DAOs. But let's wait for some more people to cast their votes.
0: Yes guys, let's quickly cast our votes. Um, We have like another 30 seconds, even though we see a clear winner. Um, Let's go for it. Everyone from the speakers, have you guys voted? You can just show like a thumbs up. Awesome, perfect. Great, I think we have a clear winner, which is um, with 26 votes. The topic we will be picking up is business models and DAOs and. Um, What's really interesting is that when I and Meg hopped on our intro call, she said this was something that was already in her mind to discuss You know how to operate DAOs like a business because the O in DAOs essentially stands for an organization. And um, we have to get DAOs to a point where they are able to provide for people so that it can put food on the table and whatnot. So right now DAOs can seem a lot more like a hobby project than a business that can actually sustain people's livelihoods and stuff like that. So um, this discussion will be divided into three parts. Part one is why is it a problem? Part two, what is the possible solution? And the third would be some tangible steps that we feel like we can take after the discussions to get one step closer to building the next generation of the house, right? So um, why is it a problem? Anyone, please feel free to take the mic and share your thoughts.
5: Well, I mentioned it to be good. this was top of mind for me, so I'll lead off. But I'm so curious to hear from other people on the panel. Um, this is an area where I feel like it's a problem because um, DAOs often has this attitude that like we have to reinvent everything that's ever been done. Like we, sometimes we feel like we cannot ever take anything from other organizations or web 2.0. And this is an, exactly an area where we should take all of those learnings in. Um, and it may not be necessary to completely reinvent from scratch. Um, and so saying like, what kind of business model should DAOs have is kind of like saying, what kind of business model should tech companies have? Like, oh, well, there's a lot of different types of tech companies. And so let's kind of evaluate the type of organization that we're trying to build in a DAO and look at some parallels in the outside DAO world um, and go from there. For me, one of the best places to look for inspiration um,
6: is like some of the work that's been some of the academic that work that's been done over the last few decades around um like something like viable systems theory and and it's like which is a component of like organizational design where you can like think of like how you would actually structure um a business into like these different functional components um and like uh versus these like giant monolithic dao run a business as like a like a twitch plays pokemon style running a business um like there's a, a lot that we can learn from how like delegation and stuff has been has been done in
4: various forms of like organizational theory i think something to add there about where where this comes from, and for me, there are two very important ideas that led us here. One was seeing the Web2 platforms that had become very extractive. And so the idea of how do the platform users own the platform. And so we end up creating a lot of platforms that are not trying to capture value necessarily or don't necessarily have a mechanism to capture value, plus the open source uh, software thing. but so we have a very complex problem, actually. is like, how do we get the platform to capture enough value to sustain itself, but not so much that it becomes extractive and a monopoly and so on. And obviously, that's not very visible at the early stages when you're a small startup. But if you actually scale, that's when you can actually end up becoming the bad guy. Well, at the beginning, everyone was rooting for you. And, and so it flips, but only flips later on. So being able to preempt that is hard. Um, and then the, the, other, the other side of it is, Kind of community coordinate well enough to develop a business model, and so we had the community first approach. But both uh, in the in the previous example of the platforms who are trying to capture value, or how much value should the pl- platform capture, and so on, you have a governance problem of multiple stakeholders that need to agree what's fair and find a balance that kind of works for everyone. And then in the community, you have all the community members who need to able to do something very difficult which is align around kind of like what sort of business models or revenue streams or or operational models can you do that are are sustainable and and so both of them have a governance problem that we're only now starting to really advance on while we've been doing so far with very primitive tools because well we need to start building the infrastructure
5: but
1: personally i agree of course with Abu. That we said i'm very close to Danielle's point of view i would add also that um, well one of the problems starting down with a business uh, model is that most of the time people are not aware completely how to start a company how to start an organization with a proper business model there is an issue that is uh, related to the fact that uh, well Mm, we are talking about uh, generating revenues but most of the time that the revenue that uh, are generated are just based on tokens that don't have any sort of real value attached to them so um, we should uh, distinguish DAOs in my opinion between uh, some DAOs are here to experiment new organization ways to do stuff some are there to experiment governance, or experiment experiment operation, how to structure operation, how coordinate work. But then after all the, those experiments, we have existing DAOs with valid business models, but because they have they have a, a, an idea on, on a use case, a valid use case that they are following. I would not push too much on the governance side. At the end, uh, I would not maybe push it to the governance minimization theory. But governance should be reduced, in all doubts, Because at the end, the point is not to think about to decide every single comma, but it would be nice to have an organization that can actually be run, uh, can actually run based on premises that are shared by everyone, and then have to decide just on the exception most of the time, on big decisions if we just ask every single member of a dao it could be 10 people it could be 1000 people well most of the time you will never be able to find uh, an agreement a, a great agreement we have to shift the idea that those are not just simple communities but they are communities that are related to a product to a business case to to something that should thrive before the um, the fact that it is nice to be part of a DAO. At least, this is my opinion.
2: I would say, too, on top of that, um, the the hardest thing, at least in my role here with Biconomy, is that we have a centralized org, and then we have this DAO piece that's coming together. Um, and uh, the thing that I, I find is that everyone is, they come into Web3, and they, under, they learn about decentralization, and they're really passionate about just getting rid of hierarchy. And at the same time, like you, it's, it's so hard to unlearn systemic contract constructs that we're all somewhat used to with regards to hierarchy. And so it's like, how do you take this phase approach to the governance? How do you determine what governance, um, is relevant? Like Marco was saying above the waterline versus below the waterline, uh, and And in some ways, we have this great opportunity to unlearn a lot of our systemic programming and uh, reinvent some things. But in other ways, there are efficient ways, as Meg was saying, like we don't have to reinvent the wheel the whole time. There are efficient ways to do things um, from Web2 that we can extract and put into things. So, So it's when it comes to the business of DAO, there's just so many different nuances to consider when you're thinking about all of these different pieces that come together.
6: What do you all think about um, the role of the DAO and, and governance not necessarily being like corded business operations, but like a check on a check on a business? Like, um, like I've seen some interesting experiments starting to pop up around, like, what if the what if all of the data that a uh, platform collected about the users was actually managed by a data trust, uh, which was governed by the DAO of the users, where it's like, not necessarily, so the DAO doesn't necessarily have to care about the business model, but maybe they're getting some revenue from the business and they're also a check on the power of the, uh, almost like a decentralized board. Um, How does that, uh, does that make sense uh, as far as like the role of DAOs in governance in
7: business? Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I I tend to see the DAO as, as. Uh, or, or, like the ideal scenario uh, in, in most situations is the DAO being the, the kind of top level power in, in an organizational structure. It, it should um, essentially have, have the authority to make just about any decision that it wants. But one of the kind of classes of decision that it should be able to make is to delegate decision-making power to other entities, whatever those entities look like. Uh, and I mean, this is no different to any traditional organisation. You have some, uh, some, some kind of power that sits at the top. Usually, it's uh, it's uh, a board of directors. Uh, they may be beholden to, or they may have some uh, fiduciary duty to uh, some some class of stakeholders. Uh, but generally that board of directors has, has full autonomy to, to make kind of whatever decisions they want and uh, they will then delegate it down to, to other more specialized uh, people or teams or, or, or other organizations entirely. And I don't think that's any different for, uh, for DAOs. Uh, DAOs need to be able to uh, have this kind of delegative power in order to be efficient. I mean, this is why regular firms have this, uh, this kind of delegative structure because it's, it's just incredibly inefficient to have everyone vote on everyone, uh, everything. Uh, I think this is a, a kind of tangential topic to the um, to the kind of business model topic that we started out, but is clearly something that's still being figured out in the DAO ecosystem. Like, how do we how do we uh, scale decision making properly so that uh, DAOs can be efficient um, at at scales beyond a, a, a you know, tens or a few hundred uh, members. Yeah, I fully agree on I the delegation agree. Sorry, sorry, Mike. Please, please go. Go ahead.
5: <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that I really appreciated, especially what Marco said about governance functioning as a almost like a check instead of a gate. And so, in a scenario where there's an, a a check that needs to be made on an exercise of power, or even. Um, To establish new norms, that's kind of a missing link that I think we have in our governance process right now. Like organizations are really efficient when they're predictable and when people know how they're um, supposed to behave, to Adrian's point about these kind of like internalized systems that we all learn. Um, And using governance as a check when something goes wrong, but also to set out the this is how we make decisions. These are the situations where we delegate. Um, or almost as contract farming among the members of the DAO. So I think a missing link in this puzzle.
1: I agree with Meg and Mac to the, the centralization, uh, sorry, to the delegation. I think the delegation could be a very good solution because at the end we are on the blockchain and we care about accountability. Delegation and accountability are very strong because at the end, everyone that really is delegating their vote to someone can check that this someone is doing what it, it, he or she is required to so delegation could be a good way to solve some of the issues.
6: I
8: just want to bring in one question here, because uh, like I agree to pretty much everything that has been said so far, but. Uh, if you look at let's say like Adrian you talked about the DAOs also have a little bit to learn from web to organizations right like uh, to some extent and. If you look at some of the very successful models in business, because we're talking about DAOs and business, I think there is this brutal aspect of, hey, this worked, which is why we need to double down on it. This didn't work, which is why we need to stop that. Now, in DAOs, a lot of these projects are still not very heavily focused on ROI. And while that is, of course, a problem, what I think is an even bigger issue is that there is not much happening or pretty much not much of an effort around how do the learnings carry forward, right? Like, so even if you have a DAO and let's say there are these subgroups or guilds and one of the guilds is really doing the work the right way as as far as like decisions inside the guild, as far as delivery, as far as focus on like actually enhancing the treasury in the short term and in the long term goes, how do we really ensure, like have you really seen any example of models where that learning is really carrying forward from one guild to the other or like the best practices can be replicated or is it just like hey all of us let's gather on zoom and here is my view on what you need to do because i think as soon as that element comes in we start getting really slow in terms of uh, stopping ourselves from doing the wrong things and i think that is pretty much the most important area where we need to pretty much like sort of like learn from how do you not go the wrong route, uh, or like, how do you focus more on business? Just curious
4: if anybody has thoughts around it. Yeah, I, I mean, for, for me, one key challenge is that we're trying to do organizational innovation and business model innovation at the same time. And both are tremendously complex, difficult, hard things to achieve so either we really transform the way we go about it like the way we collaborate the way we we approach these businesses and upgrade to like a new framework that is 10x better or otherwise we just need to find a compromise in between the two uh in some form or shape and for me the upgrading kind of comes with the possibility of giving uh, of essentially growing the pie as opposed to splitting the pie so web2 companies are very focused on conserving equity uh, and they're very, very mindful not to give away parts of the company to anyone else unless they're adding tremendous amount of value. DAOs have tried sometimes the opposite approach, um, largely unsuccessfully, but there is some something very interesting in those experiments of like, let's air drop to a bunch of people and see what they can come and contribute. Um, and so we haven't really practiced, but at least as an industry, we're learning a lot on how to combine kind of these two things of how can we give parts of the organization away to people, so we can essentially have more resources like this in terms of intellectual capital, social capital, uh, energy, or essentially to solve both of these problems that are very complicated. Uh, While at the same time, the transparency and so on allows us to collaborate and, and learn faster from each other. So as an industry, we're moving incredibly fast, like way faster than any other industry I have seen. Yet there is that fundamental trade-off of we're trying to do two very hard things at the same time. And if we try to only focus on business uh, model innovation, we're going to fundamentally build an organization that is traditional and then it's going to be super hard to change it. While if we only focus on the other extreme, uh, we end up in a mess in that we have a great organization, but no business model is not sustainable, it's going to die very quickly. So just kind of like finding the balance and figuring out how can we get expertise for both sides in, again, some sort of upgraded framework that it's, I guess, what we're trying to come up with here that is very hard.
2: I'd say too, uh, like with what you were saying, Daniel, as well, um, and also Marco had a great comment in the chat about experiments or about innovation and working innovation will allow evolution. I, coming from like a product background, it it makes me think of like Web2 is is really focused on that user experience. And the thing that I keep thinking about is what is an organization experience look like? What does a community experience look like? Moving beyond just the user and allowing for inclusivity in different areas. You know, what is a DAO experience? So when Daniel was saying growing the pie, exactly, um, it, it really is Looking at how do we craft these types of experiences and build that in web three beyond just the vision of the individual user? Um, and and then also continuing that like in an iterative experimental model. Right now we're in such an early phase of web three that, you know, I I compare it a lot, I think Meg's heard me talk about this, but I compare it a lot to like the dot-com days of the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, and so we're in that era of web three. Um, it's very exploratory. There's going to be a lot of failures, but the successes are going to be really amazing too. And so what is, what are those crafted experiences look like? And I think that will help to define the business of the DAO, you know, and how that evolves from a web two singular piece to a more ecosystem, Um, piece that kind of unpacks some of that systemic constructs as well.
1: I'm very aligned with that, with what Adrian just said. Adrian just said, at the end, uh, it's not very different from the bubble that uh, was experimented during the Internet days. We have a few years to, well, push experiments to the top the Cambrian explosion of DAOs, the Cambrian explosion of all the experimental organizations that we are witnessing, And it is also uh, well linked to uh, brutal Darwinism that the market is pushing on all those experiments. And uh, we will face innovation, we'll face an evolution when finally something will settle and it's maybe too early for most of those experiments to settle, but we can see there is something that is already winning at the end. We have some DAOs, maybe not more than 10, but DAOs that are working, they have valid use cases. They are doing what they are supposed to do in a very good way and they are able to evolve because of governance process. Sometimes they are more centralized and sometimes they are more decentralized. But at the end most of the time, I would say ninety-five percent of the time, we are always talking about a progressive decentralization process. So everyone that is involved is trying to push the boundaries of the centralization to the max knowing that we cannot bring, uh, uh, achieve right now maybe 100%
6: of decentralization for all the use cases. Yeah I wanted to reply to just some of the words here like um, like the Darwinism and evolution of these things like it's not just about the evolution of the models but what to me one of the superpowers of DAVs is that you can design them in a more ephemeral way than a business. Like uh, if you were to design a Web2 business and say I'm designing this to Uh, to go away after two years, I don't think you're unless you're like planning to have some sort of acquisition and stuff like people are generally not happy when something just dies. But to me, one of the cool things about a DAO is that you can kind of pre program how it will end maybe or consider how it might end so that you can have this like iterative experimentation and allow um, both model and organizations to um, evolve and allow that selection to take place. one of the things that i want to experiment with uh is figuring out different ways to pre-program in things like this DAO is going to sunset on the state, or like if people stop paying attention to this dow it automatically winds down like stuff that allows people to feel more comfortable with a DAO being a brief experiment and then moving on to the next experiment versus feeling like something fails if people stop showing up to your DAO. i would I, say I, like- I mean Sorry. Oh yeah, please go.
2: Please go. So, yeah. I was just going to pop in really quick and say Even sunsetting certain programs or projects within a DAO, um, having a, a cadence and a communication cadence, and recognizing that we tried this within the DAO, people voted on it. Um, but a lot of times, people will vote on things and then they're not participor- participatory. Is that even a word? <laughs> but so, so like determining what does that cadence look like when you may not even sunset the whole DAO, but you might sunset a certain. Um, programs or project So, and I'll pass on to Apooroov.
9: Yes,
3: I mean, I really love a couple of ideas over here. One of them being that governance should only come into picture where they're really needed. And one of those um, modules is essentially keeping in check the organization's policies, right? Like we already have so many, Web2 organizations being criticized about their decision-making process and how they've, for example, treated user data, things like that. And having some sort of a community-backed governance model to keep that in check definitely makes a lot of sense as it is. At the same time, I also really agree with Daniel in the sense that evolving or exploring new business models that make sense with Taos and evolving the governance structure as it is right now, those two are big, massive challenges on their own. Um, And as we, in general, try to do both at the same time, I'm just curious how you all think uh, the next steps look like. For example, uh, if, if new DAOs, and new DAOs are definitely spinning up, even as we speak, what should those new DAOs keep in mind when it comes to deciding they're are deciding their governance structure as well as like their business models or when they're thinking about how they can sustain their um organization just in general or have an objective in mind have a business objective in mind that is right
7: so i mean i think uh business objectives for for DAOs. i mean i i don't know that they necessarily differ again from any uh any more traditional organization i think the thing that does differ is is who uh who controls it and how they control it uh what again that, that kind of top level power is one one caveat that, to that that i would say is that i think DAOs are particularly bad at keeping secrets uh, and so business models need to be uh aligned with an organization that's that's cannot uh, kind of hold information internally in the same way that a traditional firm might be able to Uh, and what I mean by that is like a lot of traditional firms uh, essentially exist because of their capacity to hold things like trade secrets uh, and have kind of internal IP uh, that they um, they can withhold from the public and and kind of extract value from Uh, this is this is Difficult, in, if not impossible, for for kind of DAOs once they scale beyond uh, a small handful of members, and so uh, finding finding models that that don't depend on that and that leverage uh, or finding kind of business opportunities that don't depend on that and and leverage the things that DAOs are really great at, which is essentially uh, incubating uh, networks of, of kind of hyper-connected individuals uh to to kind of all rally around one one individual or what one sort of specific goal or a, a class of uh class of goals a class of things that they want to achieve uh, is is critical for DAOs being able to actually kind of achieve uh I don't know, sustainable revenues over time um yeah yeah, yeah.
5: uh was, oh.
4: Please make make my for it
5: Okay. Um, Daniel, I'm sure you're going to make a much better point, but I'll make a short point, um, which is just, uh, Ryan, I loved what you said um, when you're, you know, going through pitch decks or fundraising and web three, the answer is always like, what's your moat? What's the thing that you have that nobody else is going to have? And that idea just doesn't exist in Dallas. Like, you're right. You can not keep secrets. Everything is in public. And so the only way to um, really surmount that is by flipping it on its head and to be actually as um kind of inclusive as possible um if you're not going to keep secrets then do the total opposite thing um make sure that you're soliciting ideas and participation on all of your ideas and challenges from everyone in the community
4: I mean that's an absolutely excellent point uh absolutely so but to, to kind of try to build on top of that, someone was saying in the chat that maybe delegation is the only, is the only answer. And, and to some degree, yes, because we'll always have hierarchies of complexity uh, and no one can deal with everything at the same time, both the trees and the forest at the same time is too much. But uh, that's not to be mistaken that the only way to govern or the only way to solve these problems is to have representative democracy, where we are electing someone. If we talk with a lot of the democracy researchers what they are really excited about is sortition and so if we cannot take this idea of like let's bring ideas from everyone and so on we can also use sortition or citizen assemblies or these sort of models to bring people from the community to make decisions precisely because we are in an open environment there is transparency and so on uh, we can leverage that. We don't need to make it back to a small group of people who are going to have different incentives than the broader community. We can just pull some members of the community and run a process that they've been refined, they've been developed. People have been doing them for years in outside web free and we can very much leverage these, uh, this, this concept, this process to govern a lot of the DAOs. And, and they're even being done for some of the Web2 platforms that have very serious governance challenges, like Facebook, who's a complete disaster. Um, and they're trying to implement it there. They haven't been successful at implementing it because politically it's very hard to, to get it through when you're used to having a dictator for many years. So there's kind of like a culture clash and they have fears and so on. But the framework works, like the, the approach works and it's been tried in the European Union for climate change in Paris and a bunch of other things. I'd agree that sortition is
6: something to explore more in, in DAOs. We, um, one of my favorite activities at like DAO meetups is we do like governance LARPs, where we like make up fake rules and then play them out over the course of a few hours. And one of, uh, over the summer, we had one where it was like, we called it a, a randomized democracy or randomized autocracy where like it was a sortition of one. So just everybody got to be a dictator for every decision. Um, and we, it, you know, of course didn't work great. Um, but we learned some fun things where like people were actually like, when the person got chosen to be the dictator, they didn't know who's gonna get chosen to be the dictator next. And so therefore it like had an interesting influence on the way that they made decisions. Um, and in some ways it, it worked slightly better than I would have expected. Um, so yeah, things like sortition and pulling in like, uh, groups of communities, um, groups from the community versus making people responsible for something absolutely all the time, uh, is definitely something that would be, uh, good to explore.
4: To comment a little bit on on, on Aaron's point about modes and, and that discussion that we're having, one thing that we still have in Web3 is a speed of innovation. If I'm always a little bit ahead in delivering the next thing that really works for my users, for the people I care about, like if I really, really understand them, I can deliver something that is super targeted, super tailored, that really solves the pain point, and I'm just moving faster at solving their problem better, that is still kind of defensible. And you can get into a flywheel of doing that. So it's not necessarily like a fortress in that you can just stay there and chill and wait and keep on extracting rent without doing anything. Uh, but in terms of organization design, you can set up these capabilities and they they keep on going. And if you're really, really good at it, you can keep the talents, you can keep the the people in your community happy and and so on. You can get that flywheel turning and just reach scape velocity and outpace a lot of other organizations that might be trying to copy you. Even if every new release is out there, it's still going to take them time to copy it or emulate it in some form.
7: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd say that it's, it's probably, as an organization scales, becomes more and more difficult to to continue doing that. But I think the the other kind of defensible moat then in that scenario is is really just your network. Uh, and I think this, this plays out a lot with... Uh, Ethereum as a, as a kind of ecosystem. It's it's not the most cutting edge blockchain at this point, but the 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 moat that it's built, the kind of uh, the the incredible community of of uh, of both developers and and uh, non tech contributors uh, that, that make up the Ethereum ecosystem um is is essentially the the moat that no one has been able to 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 cross at this point to kind of displace ethereum uh as as the the uh, I don't know uh, the, the number one sort kind of smart contract platform kind of thing um I think the the fact that it has still this kind of regular pace of innovation there's this kind of understanding from people contributing that it's uh, the roadmap is going to continue kind of improving it, going to continue uh, selecting what is, what is I don't know, the, at least attempts to be the kind of best combination or the best kind of uh, uh, compromise between the, the latest, uh, most interesting kind of technologies to, to improve the network uh, while maintaining kind of stability and dragging this whole kind of uh, historical state along with it. Uh, uh, including, again, this, this kind of historical state of, of uh, just incredible network of people is, uh, again, the, the kind of moat around Ethereum as an ecosystem, as a network. And I think that that same uh, type of moat is, is what you would need to build for uh, any other DAO ecosystem to, to uh, be sustainable long-term. Um, you know, as, as you start to reach a scale where you can't necessarily iterate the entire organization, pivot the entire organization as rapidly as a a small team of five people.
3: Um, So yeah, I mean, this is like a really interesting point, Daniel, uh, in a sense of involving your potential users inside your community, just so that you can understand them so much better that that in itself becomes an advantage. I'm just curious. Have you seen, so Ethereum definitely is a really good example of this, but have you seen other um, DAOs who are close to achieving this or are in the process of establishing this flywheel um, so that they can, in future, you, you sort of can see them
4: go getting there? know. it's really hard to say at this stage. There is many DAOs who are doing a lot of things very well, uh, but not necessarily one DAO who's doing all of them. Uh, it's it's very, very divided from what I can see. Now, let's give it a year, two years, see, see which DAOs are learning from the things that they're not doing well, they're learning from others, and which ones are not doing that. Because what's hard, like what's even harder than learning from the community, which on itself is very hard because it's a culture shift, process shift, complete different organization design. Uh, but what's even harder is being able to do that and still don't become insular, but still be able to look to the outside. Like, for example, in Cosmos right now, I've been engaging a little bit in that ecosystem. We're putting a proposal to them to get some funding to do some community health stuff. And... They have a super active community who is really participating and shaping the, the thing, uh, but we are seen as outsiders, and because of that they really shut us down, and they were like, oh, who, you, who are you outsider to come to tell us what to do here? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to become part of your community, and it wasn't the same thing. I, I hadn't become an insider, right? So, so there is still very much this tribalism, even though inside the tribe is very open, which in itself is already very difficult to achieve, but we need both.
2: I'm also wondering. You, oh, sorry, Meg. <laughs> I'll go really quick. Um, but I was thinking, you know, do we have to become another Ethereum? Um, what does like interoperability look like between DAOs and can multiple DAOs do this together? You know, why does there have to be a one-all be-all solution for this? Um, just like, if you think about shopping local and small business, a lot of small businesses support each other and um, fill gaps. Why can't we do that as DAOs as well um, and and support each other in that scalability? It, it There doesn't have to be one solution, just like there doesn't have to be just Facebook or just Amazon. Um, we have an opportunity to, as we talk about this community piece, this transparency piece, this relationship piece, you know, what does interoperability look like between DAOs as well and across ecosystems?
1: Well, I would say Uh, that the ecosystem, I'm sorry, Mac, you were waiting for me for, please go.
5: um, I was going to agree with Adrian. I read an article recently about a cooperative in Spain called Montregan um which is an entire town where each of the individual businesses together form a cooperative um and it's an incredible organization and an incredible business um and the business itself is um or the the cooperative itself is um almost totally abstracted away from the individual businesses that make it up um and so that reminds me so closely of your example adrian and again there's there are these parallels in the outside world that we can start to look at and draw inspiration
1: from? I, would, I, will, I was mentioning that, of course, the ecosystem needs standards. Those standards are something that or there are already organizations that are working on them. Oh, see, it could be DAOSTAR, for example, it could be MEN. But those standards will also emerge by well, evolving, by building new new projects building new toolings that at the end must be interoperable must be composable should be permissionless but at the end and uh, this is how everything will evolve um we are not talking about we have the tech we have the protocols and so on in order to find uh, well, people finding a a great consensus on on the standards, we should have a very big DAO focus on the standards. We don't have it, we won't have it. And hopefully it won't be, uh, well, the richest one to win, but it will be a sort of shared consensus between all the participants of the ecosystem.
6: Yeah, a couple of learnings that we had from DAOSTAR over the last year or so, where we brought together a lot of DAOs to try to figure out like what does it mean to create some interoperability or standards and what we quickly learned um, in the in the working group calls is that we we really needed to narrow the scope on what we what we wanted to mean uh, by interoperability um, there was some that were pushing for like you know proposals should follow the same format and like very quickly that fell apart because um, like governance just works very different for for different groups as it should and so the main thing that we first just tried to standardize also kind of goes back to some stuff we were talking about earlier about transparency and uh, information asymmetry is just making it so that DAOs can at least publish what they're doing. Don't tell them at all what to do, just make it so that it's easy for them to publish what they're doing. And so that's discoverable. Um, and we can create more of like this small business network like uh, like Adrian was talking about. Um, so visibility and trans- uh, visibility into what other DAOs are doing and, and how they're thinking about things could be. To me, it's still kind of step one that we're uh, hopefully getting
5: closer to solving.
0: Guys, um, I'd love to ask you what would be your advice to organizations who already have a business but are trying to move into a DAO structure?
1: Well, I would say. I will start here. Well, it's up to us, everyone that is in this ecosystem, to be able to find a way to build products that can be understood by people and organizations that are outside the ecosystem. It's not just imposing them to do something that we think is good. They should find the reason to do it, else it would not make sense. I, in my opinion, this uh, the, meet, the meeting point that uh, between Web 2, if we want to call it like this, and Web 3 will be Web 3 being able to offer solutions that right now are not existing in Web 2 should be, of course, very efficient, should be something that will allow them to do something more or something better than they are doing now. And we must remember that no one Web will, will change their mind because this is a nicer place. They will have to find incentives to do it. And it's up to every one of us that is in this space to make things efficient and also let's call
2: them better. I would say on top of that, um the thing that a piece of advice I would think is um, there is so much clout around uh, intellectual property and ownership. And I think it takes takes a lot, at least if you are a product-based business, you can bring a business into a DAO, but you're opening that up to voting and governance from people that may not care as much about the product as you do. Um, or they may shift the product's direction, um, and and so I think that also comes back to community. Is is um, are you wanting to take a more web two approach? Is a DAO the right format for you? Um, are you looking to grow and build a community to to go ahead and support that? Um, there's just so many different things. Like when I have people asking me about that, I always you know, encourage them to research co-ops because they're so close to um, the DAO structure. uh, Because you also have this adoption piece where you're trying to create context for something that they don't really understand. And so giving them a bridge of understanding is also the first piece as to whether or not uh, a DAO is even feasible for their needs or their desires. Um, Frankly, there are certain business owners that would never want to Um, transition ownership or voting or governance to another individual because they've worked so hard on building a product. And so it may not be the right fit for them.
8: Yeah, Adrian, in fact, uh, if you look back on all the products uh, that have evolved over the years, even in the Valley around all of these experiments that were just standalone groups with some budget and they had the freedom to do whatever, Uh, that's what probably resulted into a driving like self-driving cars and whatnot right like all of these pieces of technologies they usually start as independent working groups so even if you were an organization and you were thinking of like whether you're going to call it a DAO or not that team that's going to explore on its own that's a different question but it's already been done right like you probably don't need to Completely decentralized, there are different sites of working groups, it could be 100% decentralized, it could be partly decentralized, and there are enough examples of that. So I think like we just sometimes overanalyze when it comes to, hey, I'm a business and I think I need to launch a DAO. Probably you don't even have to look at it from that narrative. just give independence to that group, let them make the decision. The day it starts becoming significant uh, in terms of their output is where you will probably have to answer some harder questions in terms of, do we expand this decentralization throughout the org or not? But I think there is like a long way to go for that group to succeed first. And I think maybe the starting point should just be like autonomy to that group.
4: Building upon yeah. that, and oh, sorry, I'll go quickly. Um, building upon that, and having helped a, a couple of web two organizations go more towards self management and so on, before the DAO thing, some of the the key barriers are access to information. Like if people don't have access to the financial data, to the strategy data, to whatever it is, they cannot make decisions. If they haven't understood what the organization is hoping that team to achieve, if the expectations are not clear or whatever it is, they're just going to make decisions that go in a different direction. And that creates a lot of problems. So working on transparency is usually a, a very important starting point. The other thing is once the process is a little bit more advanced, what fails very frequently is giving autonomy and then taking it back. And it only takes a tiny tiny bit of taking back authority of going like oh no, no, no that was a bad decision so now i don't now you don't have the right to make the decision anymore it only takes one tiny event for that for everyone to talk about it and no one bother making decisions again because why would they so unless there is like really that promise of like it's really you and then the the trust and then the third thing is the safety is making decisions is vulnerable you're putting yourself in the line. If you made the decision, then it can be your fault. So unless you feel safe, that even if you make the wrong decision, it's okay, you did the best you could with the available information, business is uncertain, you're always making decisions in without the, all the information, without all the data, the future is uncertain and so on. So you need to start like really baking that into the culture and celebrate the failures as much as the as wins and you start to shift to a learning culture and that can create a really really good base to do the process but once you already have a top down culture it is super hard like it probably takes 4 years or something like that to to migrate these if not longer and some of the hard approaches like holacracy and so on that like almost bake it into the constitution and get everyone to sign the constitution and stuff like that, they require tremendous amount of effort. So at that point you can divert a lot of attention away from the business into the organization side and then has its own challenges. Um, so no small task but it is kind of worth it. I mean all the corporations are suffering from not having given enough autonomy and delegation and so on and, and empowerment. So the more you can build it from the beginning the better.
5: Yeah, to Daniel's point about how hard it is for traditional organizations to transition into a DAO structure, my first question for someone who says that they're attempting to do that is why. Um, And I think that too often what we've seen in the past is um, that it's not in leaning into the true spirit of what we all believe makes DAO successful, but really the ability to launch a token or to try to skirt regulations or something like that. Um, and the path for DAOs to take over is not necessarily to transform traditional organizations, but to outpace traditional organizations so that new ventures and new ideas know that they need to use this format in order to be more successful.
0: I just want to quickly remind that in five minutes, we will pick up some community questions. But until then, um, I'd love to ask you guys if you all can think of one pain point that you're currently facing, you know, um, operating your DAO. Um, what is your key takeaway from this discussion? Or what is something that you would like to see someone else try? Um, feel free to bounce it off each other.
7: I'll jump in on this one for pain points. Um... I think one of the the biggest pain points for uh, operating DAOs, for participating in DAOs uh, and and kind of for DAOs as a whole is just the incompatibility of the permission structures in most uh, software and and kind of SaaS platforms uh, that exist. And what I mean by that is that um, you have uh, a DAO, uh, again, ideally as the kind of top level owner of an organization, uh, something akin to the kind of board of directors, But you have no capacity in most software platforms for the DAO to actually occupy that uh, position within the the software platform. Uh, More concretely, say a DAO wants to have a Twitter profile, right? Uh, The DAO doesn't actually own the Twitter profile. Someone from the community or someone that the DAO's kind of delegated to owns that Twitter profile. Similarly, for a Twitter profile, maybe it doesn't feel so uh, important kind of intuitively, but that is often the kind of public face for the DAO. And it's something that could very easily be, be uh, essentially taken from the DAO. You know, if, if you have it owned by some community member, then if that person goes rogue, they take the Twitter profile with them. Uh, maybe something that feels more, uh, more more concretely valuable or important would be like a GitHub repo, which again, uh, the, current, the current ownership model is someone from the organization. So some community member is kind of delegated that responsibility of owning the GitHub org. Uh, but if they go rogue, they take the whole thing with them. Uh, they burn it to the ground, they delete all the code. Uh, and this kind of thing uh, is really, really, Incompatible with uh, with the way that DAOs are kind of intended to operate, and so I think uh, one of the big pain points that I see, and, and one of the things where I think it's a huge opportunity for um, for existing SaaS platforms, but then also for for, for kind of new uh, SaaS platforms looking to to kind of gain market share, is to properly cater to the types of ownership models, the types of uh, access control models that. Uh, could be compatible with DAOs, essentially allowing DAOs to occupy the, the the top level ownership, and then allowing them to delegate permissions down to to other users uh, to to kind of operate those SaaS platforms on the on the DAOs behalf. Uh, is yeah, again, a huge opportunity space uh, and a huge current pain point.
2: I would say on top of that um, is that you know you I, I chuckled when you brought in the piece of people burning things down or taking code with them um it's this piece that you're you're giving them the autonomy and then all of a sudden they be they become almost possessive when like it becomes a people problem which which is like they still want to have kind of the final say or the final ownership and and so it it's still this battle between it, the personal ego versus collaboration, as well, um, and, and how do we do that? Like, which leads me to the main pain point I was thinking. I was thinking of, which is a really simple pain point, but it's managing expectations. Um, a lot of people come in from Web two, and they're like, "I want to contribute in a DAO," and um, they they have this expectation that the UX is going to be seamless, that it's going to be this great experience for them. That we're we have all those problems already solved and we're ready to receive people into the DAO, um, and and so it it's things like workflows, payroll disbursements. There's there's the software side. There's the HR versus non HR, and, and yet they like the idea of the decentralization and the reduction of hierarchy, but they're expecting these centralized solutions to collaborating in the DAO, and and so one of the big pain points is not that. Um, there's all of these demanding people, but it's that we we have to step outside of our comfort zone. And um, a lot of times, when people are coming into the DAO landscape, they have either already contributed into DAOs, they figured it out, or they are coming in lost and they expect someone to walk them through every step of the way. And so, so that's that's one of the biggest things is is that it it takes time to build infrastructure and I feel like I'm constantly telling people um, that, you know, it's not going to be perfect and uh, like be patient with the people that are also running the DAO, you know, it's, it's easy to um, kind of shoot the messenger and, and so managing expectations is one of the biggest pain points I see too with, with DAO collaboration. Well, I
1: see it also as a leadership problem in the DAOs. Um, It's a leadership problem in all the, most of the hierarchy levels, because we can see that it's very, it doesn't happen often to see leaders that will change over time, that will uh, allow people to grow, will allow people to do. So it's um, difficult to see a DAO thriving if uh, there is not a natos that is allowing others to grow and to do what the current leaders are doing now
0: okay perfect um guys we have a bunch of community questions i am just gonna throw them your way whoever please pick it up um our first question Um, What are some of the DAOs um, that are doing really great in terms of a business model and how?
7: I mean, the the large-scale DeFi DAOs, I think, are doing well in terms of business models. Uh, They they have, not all of them, uh, but a handful of them are doing well. Uh, They've they've created a, a incentive for people to park capital and and, uh create mechanics around uh uh, that that capital being parked and the the DAO kind of earning some share of it um the kind of non uh non-defi DAOs that i've seen uh doing doing really well i mean i would i would suggest that each of the large scale uh blockchains uh kind of DAOs in and of themselves and i think they've obviously been, been very successful um the, uh the others, I think, that have been really successful uh, over the last, um, I don't know, year and a half, two years, have been uh, obviously this, this huge rise of these kind of social club kind of DAOs, uh, social or kind of status club style DAOs. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. It's something I had uh, kind of blinders on to for a long time. I didn't really uh, understand. Uh, I wasn't, I don't know, it took a while for me to kind of really understand uh, uh what this phenomenon was, but uh you know essentially the idea of people being able to relatively kind of permissionlessly join and and kind of signal their affiliation with a uh cultural group uh by by kind of owning an NFT and then and kind of in in doing so in, in buying an NFT and kind of acquiring an NFT and, and kind of publicly displaying it uh kind of automatically gaining uh access to getting kind of acceptance into this uh this cultural group and and kind of along with that uh, this DAO that does something controls some treasury or, or, or uh, kind of collectively builds products or whatever i think that's been a really interesting uh use case and, and has been surprisingly resilient um in in the the face of some pretty adverse uh, market conditions over the last you kind know, of six to eight months
5: yeah, I'll build on that. The two um, business models that I'm most excited to see in DAOs are um, kind of usage-based revenue. Um, so, DeFi protocols or other protocolized solutions to take a usage fee on each, you know, use or transaction. It's a really um, like easy and hopefully sustainable business model for DAOs, where the members of the DAO and the community have a really um, strong shared interest and in incentivizing good use and good outcomes from the product of the protocol. Um, and to build on Orion's the idea to have um, kind of social investment clubs, um, and DAOs as um, a new, almost like a new form of capital management and allocation or new VCs, um, is I think a really interesting business model that fits so well with what DAOs do well.
4: Yeah, just, just coming to now, to mind now, uh, service based DAOs tend to work well. Uh, we have Dior, Lama and the like. They, they actually have a tight community of talent can ensure that that's, that they are available enough. And I mean, uh, Meta Cartel too comes, uh, or Rate Guild, sorry, um, as well can op- seem to be operating well, sustainably and growing.
0: Thanks so much, guys, for taking that up. Um, we have one of our latest question from Salman needs a job. Earlier, there was a discussion on the chat about using zk sync to protect trade secrets within the DAO. How would that work?
7: My take on that is that even if you have uh, even if you have the capacity to kind of shield secrets kind of on a technical level from external viewers, uh, any any relatively flat hierarchy that with with relatively permissionless uh, uh, entry is is always going to leak information, right? If I if I'm an external uh, organization and this thing has relatively permissionless entry, and I want to discover the secrets, I go and buy the token and get through the token gate and learn all the secrets, right? So uh, I think the the capacity of a DAO to to both remain permissionless to have this kind of open entry uh, and to keep secrets is, is practically zero. Uh, but- I think, I think a DAO could, uh, could keep secrets if it's okay with having sections of its organization uh, uh, cordoned off. You know, if, if it's okay with, having, with delegating to some smaller groups to say, hey, you guys are allowed to know the secrets and, and we're gonna, the rest of the organization is gonna make decisions uh, kind of in the dark on what some of these secrets are, then that's totally fine. And that's a decision that a DAO can make. But if, if again, if you have the kind of current style of DAOs where you have relatively flat hierarchies and, and permissionless entry, then, then yeah, those kind of trade secrets, regardless of your, uh, the, the kind of technical uh, secret key capability I think you, you, you're really gonna struggle uh, on, a, on a social layer to to maintain secrets
1: well ZK is not here to well make secret something like I don't know the coca-cola or this is something that is going to be kept secret because of social enforcement because of uh, in absence of an incentive or punishment uh, to the ones that will disclose the secret. ZK the is more on, well, keeping secrets, some other kind of information, mostly, most of the time regarding, well, identities, most of the time regarding. Um, where people live, where people well the age of people and so on, something that will allow to have both civil resistant um, uh, membership without disclosing too much that would create some kind of limitation of the engagement of the same of the same people. It's not about well, um, uncovering some DAO seekers that I don't even know what DAO, secret, what, what secrets a DAO should, should should have.
7: Right, exactly. ZK is about having kind of transparency about what the computation is, uh, but privacy about what the inputs are, uh, or at least like that's one use, use case for it. Uh, being able to have kind of secret inputs into a, a publicly verifiable computation uh, and being able to then verify the outputs.
0: Thank you so much, guys, for taking that up. We have another question from Marathon Mind. Um, says delegation seems to be the only answer to increasing participation and quality of discussions. The protocol delegates like Flipside and Gauntlet seem to do a wonderful job. But as we can see the landscape of protocol delegates closely, these delegates are few and can be seen voting most DeFi protocols at a bay. Do we need to have more diversification? or just stick to functional protocol delegates?
5: Um, i love to hear the both sides shout out. So I'll chime in there um, and can affirm that they're an awesome team. Um, I think that one of the challenges is that um, there is a lack of incentive for our delegates. It's an incredibly hard and time consuming job. Um, And with the exception of Maker, nobody has a real incentive program to reward delegates for showing up or for doing good work. Um, I would love to see this model proliferate in areas where it can genuinely be useful, where governance votes genuinely require um, outside research um, and outside thought. I don't think the delegates are a silver bullet solution for every governance problem or for every governance participation problem, but I would love to see the model be, have more of an economy behind it and prolifer- proliferate more broadly.
7: Yeah, I think um, I agree. I think delegation is a, is a powerful tool for, uh, for essentially kind of allowing uh, participation, from from a broader uh, set of people, without requiring everyone to uh, be present for and, and kind of fully digest every every decision that the uh, organization makes. And so we talked about uh, a, a bunch during this this uh, panel the the idea of uh, the the kind of top layer of the DAO being uh, being akin to something like a board. Um, And delegation is effectively kind of a way of electing people to this kind of board-like structure. Uh, I think that there are a bunch of flaws in the way that delegation uh, typically works at the moment. Um, We are are taking on a bit of this challenge with uh, Gnosis Guild uh, on behalf of the DAO over our next kind of build cycle. Uh, But one of the big issues that we see with the way that delegation currently works uh, in, in most cases is this kind of indefinite terms for delegation. Uh, So you have uh, this this issue that kind of pops up frequently where there's this huge first mover advantage for delegates. Someone who is relatively popular, who gets in uh, kind of from day one uh, as a delegate, accumulates this kind of mass of votes delegated to them, uh, is essentially able to hold on to influence indefinitely purely because of uh, inaction from uh, people who have delegated. So the reason that you delegate to someone is because you don't necessarily want to pay attention uh, day-to-day or you think that someone else is gonna have a better uh, uh, ability to to kind of pay attention on a day-to-day basis and kind of form an opinion. Um, But the the kind of downside of that in a lot of scenarios is that, yeah, again, you end up with this kind of indefinite, length of time where where someone is, is essentially going to kind of hold on to influence and so traditional uh traditional kind of governance structures tend to solve this with uh fixed terms on on kind of delegation on power on representation um and i think we'd like to explore some kind of similar uh similar structures there what what that ends up looking like we're we're unsure yet but we Want to create a scenario where uh, we avoid uh, avoid kind of capture in in DAOs uh, purely because people were there from the start. Uh, delegation, and our opinion, should be something where uh, delegates need to kind of maintain uh, connection with the people delegating to them, uh, as opposed to kind of accumulating mass and then just kind of holding onto it because that mass has been accumulated
2: i would say too the delegation also can be an indicator of privilege to uh, something that um meg was speaking about was the lack of incentivization and so if we don't have an incentivization model to help um, pay or incentivize these delegates, we're automatically restricting people from becoming delegates, which then, uh, also keeps that number relatively small and creates fatigue. Uh, and so, so it's, it's tough because, uh, without accessibility or without incentivizing, then we're already limiting the delegate space, which creates, um, more burnout for those delegates too. And so we have to think about the larger expansion of, if if we're to expand into more delegation, how do we also include more people so that more people can participate and provide uh, various opinions based off of their role as a delegate.
0: Thank you so much, guys, for taking that up. Last question. Um, Just to end it with fun, talk about one crazy idea that you guys thought of and still believe might work in the DAO space. This question is by Sejal.
7: At some point, I really want to spin off a DAO with the goal of building a space elevator. Uh, (laughs) There's an idea floating around for for many years now, and I'm just waiting for the right time to kick it off. so if anyone wants to build a space elevator, hit me up. Uh, I really want <laughs> to see it happen. And I think it's a, it's a, an idea that would lend itself well to a, a DAO structure. Um, and I think maybe justifying it just a little bit, it's one of those concepts that is, I think functions well as a North Star and would almost certainly uh, build a whole bunch of really, really useful technology on the way Uh, even if it never actually built a space elevator.
8: I think one of the ideas that I have been floating around a lot with is this idea of like a loyalty program. And I think now I've been thinking for the last 10 minutes hearing the word delegate so many times that maybe it could be a delegate loyalty program. But the idea is that, uh, see, somebody is putting in a lot of hard work and we are already used to this, concept of air miles, right? Like where you get privileges because you have uh, traveled a lot on an airline and that can be exchanged with a lot of things. But what about if we start creating a community or like this exclusive club of people who are like constantly adding value, whether uh, and how we're deriving that value could be based on their efforts once they become a delegate or if it's in general, let's say it's just like somebody who's holding an ounce could probably uh, be a part of that elite club and you start making DAOs talk to each other. So BAYC starts talking to now and starts talking to FWB starts talking to so on. And there's a pool of merchants because every web two business is sort of like now moving to offering an NFT, right? Like I was looking that day, like uh, the Starbucks is coming up with a loyalty program. Porsche is coming up with its own program and whatnot. So it's, there has to be a way of probably like capitalizing on that. That was just a, random thought that uh, came across my head. Not sure where and how much of a depth it has,
6: but uh, yeah, that's that.
0: Isaac, you've been quiet for a bit. What would be your crazy idea? <laughs> um,
6: it's funny, because like, I don't know. I, I, uh, I knew some people that are similar to like Orange Space Elevator, some people that are saying like, um, we need to organize the first ever party on the moon. Like someday there will be a party. There hasn't been one yet. And how can we make sure that we're all invited? Um, so like my, I kind of like float between thinking about crazy things like that, but then also like, what would it take for me to turn my like neighborhood HOA of hundred houses into HOA DAO? Um, so I like to, you know, thinking about things in, in those big contrasts, like, uh, um, so I guess my, my small scale crazy idea is convincing all of my very normal neighbors in my very normal suburb to join HOA DAO.
2: Isaac. Um, I, I had a good laugh there because I think I tweeted out a while ago about starting parent DAO because I'm parenting three teenagers right now and it is impossible. And I thought, man, if I had started a DAO with my kids as children, they could like, I could teach them governance. They could vote and swap chores, you know, like they could earn an allowance, but <laughs> like uh, parenting, I'm feeling some pain there and my my brainchild a couple of months ago was to start parent DAO to teach my children to be good humans, essentially.
6: Yeah, make sure you keep veto power though.
5: <laughs> Mine is kind of similarly, okay, oh. <laughs> yes. Mine is all that's similarly like personal and a little, I don't know, petty, might help keep your children fed, but DAOs around restaurant communities, they create a marketplace to like swap restaurant rewards and perks with each other um because i accumulate all of these like dumb starbucks rewards but what i really want to do is go try other restaurants and i just want to swap rewards with other people who try other coffee shops or other restaurants
0: marco what would be your crazy idea i feel like you're sitting there with some
1: <laughs> no no well i i just i was thinking it was something that i was discussing today that maybe the most similar things are not pop culture that we could see to social doubts is actually Dungeons and Dragons, where well, it is impossible to have a governance, it's all of nerds and at the end uh, you will always, you, you are fighting for experience and at the end you will accumulate a lot of illiquid coins, so it's very very similar to dungeon and Dragons. Daniel, you're
0: the only one left. <laughs>
4: um yeah i mean i am not really sure at this point what sort of crazy idea to throw how they're sorry to disappoint i'll i promise i'll think about it and tweet it
0: okay perfect um guys we are towards the end of this round table it was absolutely phenomenal and such a great pleasure to host all of you um one last thing before we jump to ending thoughts like Now that you guys are together and you are now friends forever, um, is there any question that you would like to ask each other now that you have gotten to know each other better? Um, We'll give like three, four minutes. And if you want to ask anyone who wants anyone else's perspective on it, um, this is an awesome time to do it.
2: I actually have an ask for the general group, which is how long have you been in Web3? and i can start i've been in web3 for a year but it feels like a really 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 long time
7: i've been in the crypto space for almost a decade and it similarly feels like a really 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 long time i started picking up like bug bounties on the ethereum subreddit in like 2016 17 which
6: i was just like looking for something to do programming wise in the afternoon i had no idea about blockchains and so that's when i got started around then i wanted to pay for a new computer for myself by learning some new skills 2016
1: for me too i immediately understood that i was terrible on investing and then i started contributing to projects I got started in 2015
8: in an introductory fashion, but uh, really got my hands dirty around 2017, 18. And then 2020, 21 was where I formally entered a company which was working in Web3. Uh, we were tracking crypto scammers and rug pullers, and like sort of like going after crypto compliance and tracking threats and so on. So
4: that is where it all got very intense and then, uh, yeah, yeah. I started to get involved 2016, kind of hearing about it, keeping my toes. 2017, 2018, I was applying for a job at Consensus Mesh, and after four interviews, the market crashed and they ghosted me, and the job didn't exist anymore. And yeah, (laughs) it took me a couple of years to full to get involved full time from there, as it was only for developers. If unless you could code, there was very little one could do back in the day. So I got I started.
3: started in 20... Oh yeah,
5: please
3: go. I I got started in 2017, um, which in hindsight was not the best time to invest so much of my savings. But I got into smart contracts in like 2021, which actually got me really excited about all of the potential applications. Um <laughs>
5: um i joined in the summer of 2020 which was pretty wild um and don't worry for the market was much better but it was also not a good time for me to invest <laughs> as it turns out
0: <laughs> i started in 2021 early when i was listening to gary Vee's podcast on how nfts are the new next big thing um and then just started collecting a bunch of nfts and um, that was the beginning to it all But yes, I feel like everyone has answered their questions. Guys, this was so, so amazing. I appreciate all of you taking out the time being present here. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. Um, thank you everyone in our audience for attending this, wherever you're tuning in from. I know it's super early, late in the midday. Um, appreciate every single one of you. Guys, I wanted you guys to stay connected um, and I was trying to add you guys to the Telegram group, but I feel like everyone has different settings when some people are not added to a group. So um, we'll try and figure that out on the back end so that you are always connected to each other and can thrive off of each other anytime you need um, one another in the future. Vikram, do we have any ending thoughts from you, please?
8: Just one question. Is anyone going to be there at ETH Denver? And the reason I ask, oh, awesome. Wow, I see three hands. Uh, Perfect. Uh, The reason I ask is because we are trying to host a side event there with folks who are doing this chapter of DAO-specific events. So there was like DAO NYC last year. Then there is one happening in DAO Tokyo, uh, which is April, and we are doing a chapter of it, DAO Denver. Which is sort of a side event happening in the build week that's happening right before ETH Denver. And that's like going to be only exclusively focused on DAOs, some 150, 200 folks. So, of course, like I would make sure I hit everyone up, whoever is there. We'll share all the details. And in fact, uh, Isaac, I don't know if you are aware of it, but we have seen that MetaCartel also is interested in conducting a workshop. And we have been trying to like collaborate on that front as well. In fact, Sajal has been talking and will be reaching out more to figure out if we can come up with a topic on that front as well. So uh, just wanted to like ask who all is going to be there because that's like, and then again, the intent is like we are seeing some very interesting partners come up. So Tally, which has been handling everything there and the entire group that's conducting .oc they have already confirmed their partnerships. It's going to be sort of a panel workshop uh, plus like some tangible, output sort of uh, hanging out and of course like we probably have some get together in the evening as well as a standard with these events so yeah
0: that's awesome cannot wait to someday see you all of you in real person (laughs) all right guys thank you so so much we will end this